Welcome to Not Over, Just Different. I'm your host, Natalie Ledwell, founder of Mind Movies, the ultimate personal development tool to visualize and achieve your greatest life. This podcast is for women who are looking for inspiration and guidance as they navigate the changes that come through moving through the various stages of life, or for anyone asking themselves, who do I want to be? Now, on this transformational show, I'll be talking to inspiring people from all walks of life about their stories of how they faced and overcame life's challenges in powerful ways. These are raw, candid conversations, often not shared until now. We'll be discussing topics like health, relationships, life's transitions, aging gracefully, and learning to see life from a fresh new perspective. We explore what it means to continually grow and evolve as your world changes and live a fulfilling life. As well, we'll provide you with amazing tools and resources to help you move through change with courage and resilience. So if you're ready to take the plunge and start your journey to becoming your most powerful, authentic self, then join me, Natalie Ledwell, on Not Over, Just Different for insightful conversations about how to tackle life's new chapter. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast for this week. This week, I have a friend of mine who's returning. I've got Christina Mandlakiani. Uh, she is an entrepreneur uh, and she's the co-founder of one of the biggest digital personal growth platforms in the world. So welcome back, Christina. How are you, darling? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you, Natalie, for having me again. It's a, it's a huge pleasure. Yes, I'm doing fine. Yeah, great. Um, now, the reason we have you back is because you've got this new book coming out, which sounds amazing. It co- it's called The Art of Being Flawsome. Like that's <sighs> awesome, flawsome, and everything in between. <laughs> yes, flawsome is the key word for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, tell me a little bit about the, the uh, inspiration behind writing the book. Oh, I guess uh, as with any first book, the inspiration is my own life. <laughs> That's usually, I think, the the case. Um, so, uh, I, I, you know, I, as you mentioned, I've been in the personal growth industry for such a long time, and a lot of mentors, friends, um, well, advisors would say that I have to write a book because it's it's the industry. <laughs> I guess you also transitioned from uh, from uh, an entrepreneur into a teacher at some point uh, in the past, but. Um, my in 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 the case of this book, I couldn't force myself to write it just because I had to, which was a very strange uh, strange thing. I did a lot of things which I had to <laughs> because the business model insisted. But the book was this um, this one thing which I just um, didn't feel that I would write it unless uh, it comes. So I, I I usually joke that it's. Uh, you know, when you're pregnant with a baby, when it's ready, it's going to come out. You can't, you can't force it. You can't speed it up. You can't slow it down. So in my case, I think I was ready and the book, uh, the book just came. Uh, and also partially because it is about authenticity and about being yourself. Uh, I had to be sincere with it, with writing it. Yeah. So where, cause you were born in Europe I mean, somewhere. <laughs> Oh, was was, was I, it Russia? I can't remember. Yeah, I wish it was the civilized. I was born in Soviet Union. The Soviet Union, that's right. Um, so I can imagine it's been quite the journey, you know, being born there and then, you know, leading the life that you have or uh, th- that I know that you have up until this point. Um, so tell us a little bit about that journey and how, you know, the lessons that you kind of learned along there. Mm. 
Uh, yeah, I said I wish I, it was the civilized. Geographically speaking, yes, I was born in Europe, but uh, Estonia was part of the Soviet Union, so I'm Estonian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think nowadays Russia is a, a little bit scary aff- affiliation. Um, and I was a teenager when uh, Soviet Union collapsed, um, and uh, a lot of things changed. From um, basically, my uh, world made a heel turn, uh, 180 degrees uh, turnaround, and um whatever was illegal and um say um not uh, n- not part of our reality suddenly became part of reality well it was a planned economy in soviet days and the state was uh was prescribing everything uh and then suddenly everything was liberal everything was free and you uh you couldn't depend so much on somebody <laughs> telling you what to do you had to find your own way but of course luckily because i was 14 years old at that time uh i adjusted i know that not everybody did uh which is probably um also explains why why our part of the world is still turbulent because some people i think still still regret the fall of the soviet union uh but i was lucky i was lucky partially because i was young enough partially because my parents i guess <laughs> were good i sometimes i i think what um uh, what made me adaptable, what made me not just survive, but thrive in this situation. And I have to, I, I, I believe it's, it's the upbringing, it's the parents. And despite the fact that the world where I was born was uh, so different and inexplicable for the Western world, I guess some core human values were still the same, uh, like justice and, uh, and kindness maybe, and maybe courage. Uh, these, these core human values were uh, important in, in our bizarre Soviet world as, as much as they're important uh, in the Western world. So it's it's hard to analyze it's such it's it's literally like my whole life from one from one extreme into another extreme um and i guess maybe the biggest conclusion which i can make in this whole story is that um what makes us human is the same all over the world mm, yeah i can only just imagine what it's like to be told, you know, what to eat, what, you know, all of those kind of things. You have a limited amount of choice of, of what you, if you had choice at all, to then having <laughs> an unlimited amount of choice. So uh, my th- the first part of my question is, you know, how did you adjust to that? And I'm just wondering how that influenced you as an adult and as you went through life. Uh, interesting. You know, I've never given so much thought to my Soviet past, so it's it's curious you asking me all these questions. But I Talking about choice uh, in um, in let's say in the affluent Western um, world, uh, well, I'm talking politically Western world. Uh, we think choice is a good thing, um, and yes, we didn't have a choice uh, politically. Zero choice. It was one way, uh, the way, <laughs> or jail, <laughs> uh, or, or or just uh, like dead end. Uh, when it comes uh, to economy, it was um, it was probably occasionally even less. Sometimes we didn't have things. <laughs> yeah. um, and yes, I haven't. Uh, so having a choice is uh, is kind of scary when you are not used to it, because when you have a choice, you have to make a decision. You have to make a choice, and uh, it's not like the state was telling us what we have to eat, how we have to work, how we have to study. In a way, you did have uh, um, influence on your own life to a degree. Um, but but this uh, 
this idea that actually you're the master of your own life. It is kind of scary if you have been brought up in the environment when things are prescribed, when there is no, not much choice or no choice at all. And you just go for what, um, for what is available. So I don't want to paint a really, um, wrong picture because my life wasn't miserable. <laughs> I mean, I had a, a, a decent childhood like everybody else. I had toys, I had free time, we played, we had nature, we had we had a lot of good things. But um, in a way, it's much easier to be to be a pet in, uh, <laughs> in someone's powerful cage <laughs> mm. rather than being uh, the master of your own life. It's much easier. And I think this is the hardest thing. Those people who didn't adjust, and again, I'm, I'm uh, improvising right now, but I think that a lot of people who didn't adjust were exactly the people who just um, didn't have the strength or the courage in them to take responsibility for, for the new life. Uh, you know, it's it's easy to blame your environment to say, oh, I'm doing this because I have no other choice. I'm eating this because I have no other choice or whatever, whatever you're doing. Uh, it's much harder to suddenly realize that whatever you have in your life is your doing. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, I mean, my experience of you is that you are very grounded that, you know, that you, <laughs> you know, you're, you're not extravagant by any means, but you know, you, you are a pretty grounded person. So you, you're in this place now where you, can make choices and, and certain things. Did you start to have dreams about your future? And is, does your does your life look anything like that now? What you imagined? <laughs> I had well talking about extravagance. I do have a harp on the background, which is a real <laughs> instrument, and I do play it. <laughs> but and that's my extravagant hobby, which I picked up at thirty six. But um, actually, you know, I had dreams when I was a kid. When I had the Soviet. Um, environment around me when we lived in a small apartment i had a dream that you know by some miracle we could knock down the wall of the neighboring apartment and have twice the space uh, or the dreams of beautiful clothes literally these were the dreams that we had because these were the things that we didn't have when i was a kid i wanted to become a diplomat and people usually laughed at me well that wasn't a bad dream because it made me study really well and be ambitious but i wanted to be a diplomat to escape from uh from the reality not in the sense of running away and staying somewhere, but at least having a chance to travel the world. So I did have dreams since childhood. It's just that uh, our dreams, um, they evolve. Uh, and I think uh, they grow with us, hopefully. And if um, if they don't grow, if they shrink, that means that um, I think it's the time to look inside yourself. So, so my dreams did grow, but I... I credit my dreams to my imagination more than to my environment. Right, exactly. And I think to the person who you are, I mean, you have created a lot of success in your life. Um, you know, you're a mother, you, you've, you know, like we said, you've been part of this, you know, huge um, uh, personal development movement, which has reached millions and millions of people around the world. And so um, what are some of the traits or human traits that you believe that you have that's really helped to set you up for success? Um, it's, um, in my case, one of the things that definitely has been, uh, helpful on the path was taking it easy and not too seriously. Okay. <laughs> Whenever I did anything, I always, I always, uh, approached uh, everything with, uh, with the mentality of, um, 
let's play, let's see, with curiosity and excitement and uh, not excitement, but more like experiment, more than more than stress and fear that I have to do something properly. I, I did have uh, a period in my life where I, I was a straight A student in, um, in school. So I, the last few years were very miserable and I stopped actually doing a lot of things. Like I, um, I, st- I, I did things uh, outside school, like I, I went and I studied art and then I went to uh, some other things uh, but then the pressure of school became so intense that I actually stopped doing other things and and just focused on on studies and um, and that was the only period in my life where I started taking things a little too seriously and uh, yes I graduated the school with golden medal and I received it from the president of Estonia and all of that so I achieved I, I ticked it off uh, but when I went to university, I some, somehow had aversion to doing things perfectly, um, or at least studies, uh, because uh, I became a part of student organization and I wanted this freedom, uh, the time at least, and the freedom, mental freedom to to not just study. So uh, I guess that's the uh, that's the attitude that has been helping me a lot. Just just being curious and adventurous and experiment and not taking things too seriously and actually being okay with the idea that, okay, things may not work out and I may fail. What's the big deal? Yeah, That's yes. That, that what comes to my mind right now. Well, you know, and I, I share that trait with you. I mean, I come from pretty humble beginnings as well. Um, you know, country town, eight kids, you know, big family. Um, and I, I know when uh, Glenn and I were together and we were serial entrepreneurs before we started the Mind Movies company, um, you know, when Glenn would come home and go, right, I've got this great idea for a business. I'm like, great, let's do it. He goes, okay. And I go, well, what's the worst that can happen? We lose money. We'll just do it again. We just start over. Like, you know, and I think when, yes. you, when you're used to having little or not, you know, not so much, it's, you go, well, I, I know that I can just come back from that. That's not the end of the mm-hmm. world. Um, and so you you kind of have that. I think that sometimes helps as a grounding to uh, to to take risks to a certain extent um, and not to feel fear failure as much as a lot of people mm-hmm. do. You know. Okay, now before we go on, I really want to mention that when it comes to personal development, having the right mindset is truly what allows us to see positive changes in life. So working on boosting your success and abundance mindset is a great place to begin when you want to develop powerful habits. And incorporating affirmations into your daily practice, even for just a few minutes a day, can work wonders on conditioning your mind for success. And this is why I want to share with you 100 of my personal favorite success and abundant affirmations, absolutely free. So you can download them by going to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash success tips and when you read them aloud every day prepare to open the door to even more success and abundance in your life i think i think it's stress and worry which uh, kills a lot of good ideas and good beginnings and good projects mm. and uh, part part of this less is fair approach is actually trust in humanity <laughs> and trust in people so what's the worst thing so <laughs> i can i can <laughs> go back to my parents and ask them to feed me for a while i'll figure it out i mean yeah. if you figure it once you'll figure it out again yeah so um what did you find out about yourself as you were writing this book was there anything that came to light that you went, oh, 
<laughs> so the book is the book is about self-discovery, and I talk about uh, about the path back to to myself. But actually, it's not an autobiography. It's actually more like a didactical approach. So I talk about uh, people, the reader, finding their path back to themselves uh, more than my own story. Uh, but what I found in the process is that I actually really enjoy writing books. Mm. Did not expect that at all. I mean, it took me forty something years. I don't remember what, how old I was when I started writing it. Uh, to to even sit down, I've always known, like, if you're in personal growth industry, you have somewhere in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, one day I'll write a book. <laughs> that's that's just how it is. So I've always, I've always known it will have to happen. Um, but it's just scared me in a way because it was not even scared. It was more the thought, what do I have to share? I'm not that, you know, what what is there to write? And I don't like the noise uh, of contemporary world. So unless I have to, I mean, I'm many worded, but generally, unless I have something to say, uh, I'd rather not add to that noise. And when I sat down and started writing it at the times when I never expected myself to be functional, I'm a late riser. <laughs> I like to wake up <laughs> without an alarm clock. But for the book, I had to set an alarm clock at seven before the house wakes up. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to write. I mean, if you if you write in the second half of the day, your day is crazy packed with, with other people's agenda. <laughs> mm. And yeah, I discovered the things that I never imagined that I could enjoy uh, just by trying, you know, like um, in a way like uh, like machine learning, you do things which uh, maybe don't make sense in your case. And then you suddenly discover like, wow, it works. I'm enjoying it. So I can't wait to start my next book. Yay. <laughs> I love that. So what are um, some of the uh, lessons that you're, that, you know, you'd like the readers to be able to, you know, to move through that transition as they're reading the book? You know, it's an interesting question. I'm a little bit resistant to answer it because, um, and I'll tell you a story which is a little bit on the side from your question. So when we had the first call with our, my publisher, and I'm publishing with a big uh, publishing house in the US because I, I, I do want to uh, attempt New York Times bestselling, uh, bestseller. Uh, so the first comment that my publisher had was, could you please write a proper introduction to your book? You know, like every every personal growth book starts with, and here's why you should read this book. And in chapter one, you'll do this. And I, I was sitting very resistantly. And then I said, you know, no, I, I can't write it. She's like, why? I said, because the book is a journey. If you pick up Lord of the Rings and in the very beginning introduction, it told you that their fellowship is going to fall apart <laughs> in the first third. <laughs> and then, you know, Boromir is going to be killed and so on and so on. Uh, it wouldn't be the same journey. Uh, so I believe that my book is a journey. <laughs> That's why uh, it's... I very... Of course, probably the sales page will have all those things, what you will learn. and But... but uh, I'd really think it's a journey and like any journey, it starts with you uh, stepping out on your porch and, and, and going out there and not knowing what you're going to experience. Mm. Um, but what this book is about is, um, is about getting to know yourself. And uh, since it's called Becoming Flawsome, mm -hmm. uh, finding awesomeness in, uh, in your flaws, in your... Uh, you know, and the things that make you maybe feel ashamed right now. Right. Uh, so that's literally the, the most important thing about this book. And 
you know, today I was uh, I was writing a, a chapter for for my new program about honesty, about self honesty, and thinking about how often um, we don't even realize that we're lying to ourselves, because that's the nature of delusion. Yeah, delusion is when you you believe in your version of reality or your picture of reality without realizing that it is distorted. So I think the hardest part about this journey back to yourself is uh, this uh, relationship with truth and with honesty, <laughs> with yourself mostly, not yeah. with the world, but with yourself. Um, so yeah, uh, it's it's a journey. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, we... Uh adopt different beliefs, uh, you know, in our life, normally early in our life, and then we spend the rest of our life looking at life through that lens. And so yes. we keep gathering a lot of evidence that that belief is true <laughs> when may, it may not necessarily be the case. And so uh, I think it takes a lot of courage and a lot of introspection to be able to be honest with yourself about, you know, how or, or to even challenge some of mm. these beliefs that we have picked up so so much evidence about throughout our lives. You know, how well, do you do that? Um, well, you definitely need a few a few human qualities to go through this journey. One of them is courage, something which we talked about. But another one, which is super important, is uh, is kindness. Uh, and I like to say that honesty and kindness have to go in tandem because honesty without kindness is mean and kindness without honesty is uh, meek. Uh, so definitely you, you will need uh, courage, you will need kindness, you will need the honesty to go on this path. But, you know, coming back to your question um, about the way we form our beliefs, yes, beliefs, uh, the moment you have a belief, you you uh, you notice the evidence of that belief, whatever whatever the belief is. And we have other conscious or subconsciously, we have a whole set of rules in our head which explain how the world works. Uh, and uh, it is the reticular activating system of our brain which actually makes us pay attention to the things that we focus on or what we believe in. Uh, but the thing is, what I try to <laughs> explain is that there is nothing absolute in this world. Right. Except maybe for some rules of nature that, you know, um, Stephen Hawking was talking about, except for those, right. because I don't want to discuss how the universe is built. <laughs> but when it comes to our human life, almost nothing is truly an absolute. Uh, well, I just said truly. <laughs> almost nothing is an absolute truth. And if you just accept the fact that uh, what you what you think is true might not be so, or you may be mistaken. And it is so hard to sometimes accept that, oh, maybe I'm mistaken because we think that if I change my belief, that means that I'm giving up some part of me, maybe past that was uh, run by this belief. So if I used to believe in this and then I change my belief, does that mean that all these years have been wasted? Well, I, uh, me and my ex-husband, Vishen, we divorced, but we had lived 16 years together. The choice of divorce or, or the, the, this change in my life, does that does that completely uh, erase the 16 years? Does it make my 16 years with that person as a family obsolete? No, it doesn't. So the same about us changing our uh, view of the world or the things that we believe in or what we hold true. It doesn't change anything about your past. Your past is still part of you. Right. And so it's you, you do need the courage to be okay with the fact that you may be mistaken, but you also need the kindness. Yeah. Because sometimes, sometimes when we change the 
belief, it is an understanding that I have made mistakes in the past. Right. And that's the point where you need kindness because can you still love yourself? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think the pandemic was a, a big thing for me, and especially with, you know, so many differing um, ideas and, and beliefs and, you know, and, and opinions. It's like, I can't say that anything is an absolute truth. You know, <laughs> I know that I'm fed a certain amount of, you know, what, a certain viewpoint, um, but that doesn't mean that I, uh, that I know the other viewpoint and I can't say f- for certain one thing or the other. Uh, which has, you know, to your point, really helped me to enter a lot of conversations from a place of curiosity mm-hmm. and a place of compassion and kindness and wanting to understand. Uh, because, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I know this, I know this about this subject. <laughs> I know there's a whole lot more. And I would love to, to have my opinion expanded from your experience and, and what you know as well. So. Mm. Yeah, that's a great way to navigate remember, through life. <laughs> you know, my, my physics teacher in uh, in my Soviet school used to say that knowledge is like an island in the ocean of uh, uh, ignorance. Uh, the more you know, the bigger the coastline, the more you understand how little you really know. Right. <laughs> I love that. Well, what a great way to uh, to finish the podcast on. Christina, thank you so much uh, for, for your time today. So The Art of be- Being Flawsome um, will be able to get um, on Amazon and, and other bookstores, I'm sure. Um, and it, did you have a website or something that's associated with this that we can send people to? Yes. So we haven't started pre-sales yet, but I do have the website for the book because I um, I have promised um people to to announce once once it's going to be available so it's christinamann.com slash book as simple as it can be (laughs) (laughs) fantastic and we'll make sure that that link is in the show notes so it's easy for people to go to as well well thank you again for your time darling it's so great always great chatting with you (laughs) thank you for having me thank you so much for tuning into this episode of not over just different If you've been inspired by this episode and want to take the next step in your journey, be sure to check out our Welcome Pack. It's a great way to start your own personal development journey with the help of our amazing community. Next week, we'll be back with even more inspiring stories and practical advice for anyone ready to take on their next chapter in life, feeling fully empowered and full of passion for the journey ahead. And be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast by visiting notoverjustdifferent.com. Also, a five-star rating and review makes a huge difference in helping us get the word out. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then, keep living your best life.